Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will use this city as a tool of witness in the lives of those who are struggling to live godly for you. I pray that it will bring deliverance and set the captive free. Lord, as it goes beyond the prison walls, the highway and byways, that it will compel those to come unto you. Lord, those that are struggling, that they'll begin to live victoriously. And Lord, when that race is over and it is all finished, Lord, they can come unto you and you will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. Lamentations, the third chapter, verses 21 through 26. Then there will be Psalms 136, verses 1 through 3, Psalms 23, the sixth verse, Psalms 100, the fifth verse, and Psalms 89, the first verse. The very first scripture that I would like to read in your hearing and in this passage of scripture, Lamentations, the third chapter, verses 21 through 26, I will have to go back to kind of fill you in on how he got to this place, but just allow me to start right here. It says, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. In the book of Psalms, Psalms 136, I would invite you at a later date to go back and see how many times that this is mentioned. But I'll just mention it out of the first three verses. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy, everybody shout mercy, mercy. endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods for his endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords for his endureth forever. Amen. In Psalms 23, verse number 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalms 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Psalms 89, and verse number 1. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known my faithfulness to all generations. Eternal God, we are so grateful and thankful to you, for you have been, Lord Jesus, a very present help in our time of trouble. You have deposited this day 
new mercies into our account. And for that, Holy Lamb of God, we are grateful. Now, Lord, your servant truly desires, Lord, your presence, your anointing, for it is through your anointing that every yoke and fetter is broken. And we ask you, Lord, right now, God, to help our minds to hear and our hearts to receive what the Spirit of God has to say. Now, Lord, again, let your servant, Lord, borrow your anointing. And, Lord, when it's all said and done and people are delivered, yokes are broken. People are born again, like the Bible says, of, Lord, water and spirit. We'll remember to give you the glory, the honor, and all of the praise. Let everyone say in Jesus' name. Before you're seated, allow me to just read to you Lamentations, just verses 22 and 23. It is, the, it is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I want to minister to you from the thought, the mercies of God. Mercy. It is something that we might not look at and we might not consider, but it's been extended unto us. We have mercies that have been granted even this morning. Uh, there's nothing that you did. You don't look good enough. You don't have enough money in the bank. Don't have enough education. I'm trying to help somebody understand you can't earn it. But if I were to define it, it would be this. Mercy, kind, or forgiving treatment of someone who could be treated harshly. Compassion or forbearance shown, especially to an offender or to the one subject to one's power. A blessing that is an act of divine favor or compassion. Simply put, my brothers and sisters, mercy implies compassion that forbears, in other words, patiently restrains punishing, even when justice demands it. So let's meditate a moment, if you will, on God's mercy in your life. It's God's tender mercies toward us that have allowed us to be here on this very day at this precise moment in time. And I'm sure if you began to travel in the recesses of your mind, there has to be some recollection or an account in which you deserve to be punished for your deeds or your actions. But God, somebody say, but God. But God granted you mercy instead. Is there anyone? Is there, can I get one somebody that would shout, thank God for mercy? Great is your mercy toward me. Your loving kindness toward me. Your tender mercy I see day after day. Forever faithful towards me. Always providing for me. Great is your mercy toward me. Great is your grace. Songwriter.
Donnie McClurkin. The Bible is full of accounts that show God's mercy unto his creation, but in particularly toward mankind. So for the sake of time, allow me to bring to your attention a very familiar account to many of you Bible scholars known as the prodigal son. And it's found in Luke. If you get your Bibles turned there, Luke 11, 15 through 26. I want to go back to the setting in Lamentations. I, I think it's important. And then this sets the stage for what we're talking about in the New Testament, where you can perhaps grab a better hold of God's mercy toward us. In Lamentations, Jeremiah, he's the prophet, and he's speaking uh, from his heart of some things about God's mercies. But if you follow that account, there were some things that I needed to say to, to help you really grasp a whole of where he was at that time and space and life. And if you would allow me to back up a little bit, Jeremiah, he says, I was a derosion to all my people and their song all the day. He had filled me with bitterness. He had made me drunken with wormwood. He had also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He had covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. In other words, I forgot what it was like for goodness. He says, I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. And you might say, well, how did he get to such a state? Don't forget they're, they're in captivity. And in captivity, he's starting to feel there's no comfort. There is no Sabbath. The Sabbath has been forgotten. And then my enemies are mocking me. But he says, after all of this, verse 19, remembering my afflictions and my, mi my misery. You, you see, sometimes when you're caught up in your going through something, all you can think about is that moment in time that you're dealing with that. And, and what he said was my misery, misery, my great unhappiness, my extreme pain of body and mind. It's a suffering that he's dealing with. It's an affliction. It's duress and distress. It's calamity at the peak and all other evil. He says, so remembering my afflictions and my misery, the wormwood, wormwood is always associated with bitterness. If we're not careful, we'll allow those things that cause us to get bitter toward God. That, that's, that's who this is about. He's saying all of this about God. But watch this. He says, my soul have them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This is where I get to. He says, this I recall to my mind. See, every now and then, you got to call some stuff back to your remembrance. How good God is. 
That's why the psalmist said, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. So he's saying now, I'm starting to remember and I'm humbled within. Then he says, then I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. You see, when you can get back on track, now you can have hope. He says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassion fail not. The, they are new. What's new? The mercies of God. They are new. When? Every morning. My soul receives brand new mercies. And I like to use the phrase that was deposited in my account. I add nothing to it. Every morning without fear. Zero balance. Next day, 100% mercy. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Let me just pause here. Because even when we are not faithful, he's faithful. Oh, I, I want to make this live. Even when we are not, when we don't do what we know we need to do, it doesn't deter him from saying, I'm still going to be good to you. I'm going to still bless you. I, I'm, I'm going to still do what I said in my word because I'm a promise keeper. He's faithful. He's so faithful to us. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Now, I want to invite your attention to that passages in Luke 15, verse 11. And it's an account, and again, I stated that you Bible scholars know it right well. But I, I'm hoping I can say something today that will spark the idea of how merciful God is. Lady Haynes, if you would. And he said, a certain man had two sons. We're talking about two sons, but the emphasis is going to be on the one that we call the prodigal. Read. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Now, I know that as we think about this, this seems rather rude. In the Eastern culture, which we live in, you normally don't get an inheritance until the person dies. And it almost seems as though the son is saying, in spite of, you're still in good health. I want what belongs to me now. I can't wait for you to die. You might be around 100 years, and I might die first. And, and believe it or not, in their culture, there was a law that the youngest could go to the parent and ask for the inheritance. But there was a provision. It had to be that the parents was treating you ill. You weren't being treated right. And then you, by law, could go to your parent, and then they would give you your inheritance. But there's a provision. 
if you went to your parent and they did nothing but be good to you, dressed you, clothed you, put you under the finest, and now you step to them and you say, I want my inheritance, the law said, now you're at fault. you got to pay them money for bringing it to court. It's no wonder why as soon as he got his money, he made haste and went to a far place, a far country, because he knew he was dead wrong. And if the courts found out, he would have to pay back the money. Read. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. I want to note that he not only made haste perhaps because of that, but he made haste because the world was calling him. Some of us, we, we have been grown, we, we've been raised up in church, and we have made what up in our mind. The moment I turn 18, I'm out of here. See ya. I'm going to do me, and I'm going to enjoy doing me. And I can't wait to get there. So he hurried up, gathered his stuff, and he left. But the Bible said he spent all of his money on riotous living. Can you imagine taking all of your wealth? And blowing it on a good time. Smoking it up. Drinking it up. Running around skirt tails. And you know how the world is. As long as you got money, they're your friend. Man, Joe, we gonna, Joe, come on. You're going to buy that bag. Come on, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. But the moment you can't buy that bag. The moment you can't get those 40s. Can you imagine? Now, I'm, this is modern day vernacular I'm talking about. But back then, he wasted his money on whorlets and drinking. And I can imagine him. They're all laughing it up. And then all of a sudden, the bartender said, you know, you, you still owe for these drinks. <laughs> I said, I got a little more. Come on, baby. Walk me to the door. I can imagine him taking him to the door and throwing him out. Read. And when he had spent all there, arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Now watch this. A famine has arisen. A time where people don't have food, but it's scarce. And you better believe whatever they have, it costs money. He has no money, honey. So now what is he going to do? And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. I submit to you, he probably went to somebody that was non-Jewish. I believe the community he was in was a non-Jewish community. Because you know how the Jews rolled. They didn't touch anything. They had hoofs. Now he joined himself to this citizen. The citizen says, okay. You want a job? I'm going to pay a, a penny a day. That was little wages. But he had to do it because he didn't have any money. He probably would have never in his wildest imaginations think that I would sink so low that I would defile my body. I would defile my principles as a Jew. Read. And he would fain had filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. Now, I know we have been taught and we have been said the, the husk as though it was 
off of corn, but it, it, it wasn't. It's, it's called a pod. It's something that they actually use to feed pigs with. And basically the point I want to make is that no matter what it was, he had sunk to the degree that he was prepared to eat what he was feeding the pigs. Can, can you imagine now you're already sunk to an all-time low. You're touching the pigs. You're around the pigs. But now you're throwing the pods down. And, and, and something inside you said, you might want to get a few of them and eat them. Read. And no man gave unto him. And no man, none of your, none of your posse, <laughs> none of your road dogs, ride until you, no, none of them, they, they wasn't with you. Nobody, they didn't ride with you till you died. They said, see, you, you ain't got no money, ain't no honey. Read. And when he came to himself, he said. Wait a minute, when he came to himself. This is worth pondering. To come to yourself means you lost yourself. Mm. To come to yourself means that you allowed sin to blind you and, and you didn't understand the gravity of what you were in. But the scripture said when he came to himself. Where, see, I, I submit to you that when you fall into sin like that, you have lost your mind. There's a sense of spiritual insanity because you're doing stuff. You said, I'll never do that again. Read. How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? This is the thing. Once you can see clearly now, the sin is gone. Now you have a mind that, oh, wait a minute. I came from a good stock. I came from an upbringing where, where my daddy is. He's got servants. And they probably have enough and to spare. Read. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. You see, when now you have that aha moment, you, you come to yourself, your, your brain is acting right now, it's back in function. You begin to understand you need to repent. Oh, we don't like that word no more, and it's an apostolic church. But when you're wrong, you need to repent. And he said, I repent before heaven. In other words, God. I sinned against God, so I need to repent toward God. I sinned against heaven and my father. Read. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Now, I want you to notice now, he said he was no more worthy to be called his son. Read. Make me as one of thy hired servants. In other words, I'm only good enough to be now your slave. Read. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Stop. I, I want you to go with me. I want you to go down the road with me. Nine times out of ten, he was destitute. Imagine his clothes all tattered and torn. Imagine him working in the pig pen. So therefore, he was stinky. 
further probably had mud covering him. And, and to boot, probably wasn't able to get a shave. He probably looked like the wahaha man. But the Bible said when his father, when his father saw him, Lord Jesus, help us. When the father saw him, do you know what he did? He looked beyond all of the mud, all of the tattered clothes, all of the hair out of place. And what he saw was his son. Read that. Just go back up a little bit. When the father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. We tend to say the prodigal son. But when you do a word study and you look at this, actually the father, what his actions did. If you allow me to use the word instead of, it said when he saw him, he had compassion. I like to substitute that word with mercy. <laughs> See, what mercy does, it extends something to you where you are, in the midst of where you are. Not you getting yourself together, but right where you are, it extends mercy, a hand. I submit to you. He looked beyond all of his faults and saw his need. And his need was to be loved on. Father, the Bible says his father went to him and kissed him. Don't forget the state that we, we already said. Probably stank, mud covering, tattered clothes, hair all out of place. But the Bible said he kissed his son. He saw his son, and he ran to his son. Oh, somebody needs to get a hold of God's mercy today. Read. And the son said unto his pop, to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Stop. What he deserved after wrongfully taking his father to court. Number one, he needed to be able to pay for the court. After what he did in humiliating his father as though he was some kind of bad dad. But I want you to show you how mercy operates. Mercy didn't say anything but what needed to be said. I want you to know, you said you are no more worthy to be called my son. After you messed up, after you went back, after you touched on the things of the world. But what I'm saying to you is this, you're my son. And you know what my son gets? My son gets the best robe. <laughs> he, he didn't say, go in the wardrobe and pick me out an old a robe I had. He said, get him the best robe. Get him a ring. I don't know if they had bling bling back then, but it said, go. Put something on his feet. Some good old Stacy Adams. I want you to dress him out. 
And then what I want you to do, what they did in biblical days when they did public sacrifices, first of all, they would kill the animal. The blood, again, would be used for the sacrifice, cleansing for the Lord. And then the meat that's left over, the flesh, the people would eat it, but it would be as though it was a divine meal because the purpose we're celebrating my son, which was lost and now is found. He was blind, but now he sees. Now we can see after looking back at this account of the prodigal son, how the mercy of God works. We can look back in this account of the prodigal son, and we can see how mercy is an act of condescending love, reaching out to meet a need without considering the merit of the individual receiving the aid, the help, or the support. The church, somebody said, we're the church. The church should be known as the house of mercy, where people can come in and have an extending of God's mercy in their present situation. In my closing, God's mercy is being extended right now. Somebody say right now. Is, ex- is extended to you, extended to me, is extended to, to us right now. And it's to all of those who will cry out, God, be merciful unto me. And believe it or not, we are literally surrounded by a multitude of God's mercy as we worship God. Can I get me a few worshipers right now? I'm telling you, I told you a worshiper can get anything they want from God when you worship God. His mercy is there. Each sin and harmful event of your life should have prevented us from entering his presence. But the fact of the matter is, Each and every one of them is covered by his blood that's been applied to the mercy seat of God. I'm telling you, his mercy. And it's even extended to those very ones that still have an effect on us. Thank you, Father. I got to give you thanks. Because, Lord, everything that you have done, I didn't look at the now. I thank you, Lord, for the release of every chain. Everywhere I go, God, I got to give you praise because you have heard my cry. We have been smothered by the grace of God, and it has brought us joy. Therefore, Lord, we was able to make a joyful noise in this city. We have learned to forgive, and with that in mind, God, I just can't stop praising you. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise.